Good morning, I'm Eddie Amos. And I'm Kim Blair, and this is Virginia Technology Today. Virginia Technology Today is a public affairs feature of WFIR. Today, we are pleased to welcome Dr. Carl Finkelstein, Associate Professor of Biology at Virginia Tech and head of the Finkelstein Lab. Carla, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me today. So Carla, there are several topics we'd like to discuss with you today, but let's start off with the work that you're doing around COVID-19. I can remember like late March, early April, we were just starting to gear up the process. The FBRI jumped in between April and August, put out something like 10,000 samples to support the health districts in Southwest Virginia. We were able to get uh, some additional funding to help grow the lab. Since then, what's happened with the lab and, and what's your team working on today? Yeah, well, thanks, Eddie, for the, for the question. Um, yeah, it has been quite of a, a roller coaster, I would say. But um, the way that that everything went was um, were a number of things that we actually um, changed and improved in the last few months. Um, one of them is we really consolidate the labs in one location. Initially, we were in two different labs. We, we have one lab in Steger Hall in Blacksburg and another lab here at the FBRI. And and, and the reason because we have those two labs in different locations were the simply because access to resources were in different locations at that time. So when we managed to consolidate everything in one place here at the FBRI, things um, completely scale up and um, you know uh, work really well, much better. And one of the reasons is uh, we have a state-of-the-art facility here. We have way much more um, instrumentation, new instrumentation. Our capacity is much larger now. We move from processing 20, 30, 40 samples per day in April to processing 1,600 samples today per day. Um, we moved from um, a situation in which we were all volunteer-based and in terms of working. I mean, everybody working in, in, in Steger and, and, and here at the FBRI at the beginning were either postdocs, uh, technicians that volunteered their job uh, time. Um, we have graduate students helping. And we moved from that format to a format where we have professional technicians that had a unique sense of communities. It wasn't just a matter of having a technician on board. It was having the right technician with the, heart, the, the right humanity to help on this project. That brought more expertise, right, to the team. Um, we really implement a very interesting organizational system that has allowed us uh, to control all steps of the process. We fabricate the kits, we distribute the kits, we coordinate the delivery of the kits, and we uh, receive the kits in our facility. By having this absolutely can almost military control of the operation, um, uh, that makes more efficient, I would say. And the other thing that has been really a breakthrough is our IT people here at VRI. Sometimes we don't give enough credit to them, but they create a new, a completely new uh, system for reporting that is secure and is way much faster than the system that the state uses. That allows us for reporting thousands of samples without any problem. So it's really a combination of things. I mean, nowadays we are on 70,000 samples. Okay? We process 70,000 samples from seven districts in Virginia. Uh, that goes for Central Virginia, Cumberland Plateau, uh, Mount Rogers, New River Valley, Roanoke Allegheny, uh, West Piedmont. Um, you know, it, it's really a region of Virginia that is almost a third of the land of Virginia, right? And on top of that, we we actually um, help more than 650 business in the area. 
um, corporations, organizations, different entities. We um, help nursing homes, uh, numerous nursing homes here, construction companies, physicians, dentistry offices, nurseries, and uh, all public schools in the New River Valley. Uh, we are totally committed to help Southwest Virginia. And, and you know, I, I'm very happy that we have a better facility and more equipment and excellent personnel on board. Carla, before the program today, we were talking about the FDA hearings to get the COVID-19 vaccinations approved. Can you share your insights on that whole process and your thoughts as an academic? Yeah, I, I truly admire my colleagues and I respect them tremendously. I think um, it was very brave on them um, on taking the task of reviewing this tremendous amount of data in such a short time and do it thoroughly and, and consciously and really in paying attention and analyzing every single detail to make sure that they make the most educated and scientific valid decision. Their comments are were excellent. Their concerns were absolutely valid. And sure, we are scientists. We want to see more data. You're not going to see any scientist that tells you that we, we wouldn't like to see more data. This is, a, this is a difficult time. Sometimes you need to make decisions that are difficult for the good of the public. And, and I think they, they put some of that on their consideration. I mean, but always with a scientific vision and a scientific analysis. So I think their recommendation was really honest. They didn't rubber stamp anything, and they didn't need to do that anyway. And I respect the decision tremendously. Um, I'll be vaccinated very shortly, probably, and I don't have any problem or any concern about that. Today, we're talking to Dr. Carla Finkelstein. She's the head of the Finkelstein Labs at the Fralin Biomedical Institute at the VTC about COVID-19 testing and also her research around cancer. We know that with this great news that you've shared and, and what's going on now today, um, that there are three vaccines that are starting to work its way through the system with hopeful distribution. What will be the, the focus of the lab? For how does this affect you and, and what will you all be focused on? Yeah, first, I'm very happy that we're going to start this part of the, the last chapter of this pandemic. Uh, the vaccine is going to end up this pandemic. The lab will be doing testing, testing, testing. And let me explain you why. Um, you're going to have this vaccine process has different stages, okay? And the, the state is going to follow probably um, some federal uh, guidelines aimed at prioritizing group at risk for the vaccine um, delivery. And, and that means that a group of individuals is going to receive the vaccine first, and then it will be a second one and a third one until pretty much everybody gets vaccinated. In the meantime, we're going to have individuals that are not vaccinated, and they are still around on the population and everything. We need to be sure that uh, all those individuals get tested, and if someone is positive, we can rapidly isolate that individual and quarantine those around that person to prevent any other spread while we create this herd immunity through the vaccine. So that's why testing will continue. Uh, hopefully, um, at one point, we end up with zero testing because we don't have more COVID. But the reality is that I could see the next six months being very intense on that just to make sure that we help those um, in the public health area that, that they will be working really hard on, on vaccinating uh, to make sure that you know we keep the other ones that they are not vaccinating yet safe on, on the side. This has been a very unique situation, probably, hopefully, a once-in-a-lifetime situation that we've gone through with COVID-19. What has been your big learning from this experience, and how will it help us better prepare for the future? Uh, that is a great question. <laughs> that is a really great question. I think it's going to be one that's going to fill books for years after. <laughs> and really, uh, so waiting, so much more waiting for the debriefing of you know, of, of this whole thing at the end of this pandemic to analyze all what it went wrong and right during these months. But um, 
back to your question, I think the big learning, the big, big learning for us, politics aside, is that academia can jump at any time and help to fill any gap in testing and analysis that is needed. I mean, look, I'm a cancer researcher. I'm interested in cancer. My main disease, the disease that interests me since I was an embryo, is cancer. Okay, and I want to solve that issue. I want to eradicate cancer. And suddenly, out of the blue, it was this need for scientists who have certain background in molecular biology to help, you know, the agencies to develop tests or or, or simply provide some kind of meaningful support to overcome this pandemic. So I consider this a pause, you know, in my research, and that's what very many people in academia did. We all jump in and we help. This is done, and we go back to our labs and continue our research that we want. I think that's the learning thing. The learning thing is that we in the academic setting can help at any time. And and I think um, this lesson really stays in the future, and hopefully not, but more likely yes. If this happens again, you know, the the entities at the government level realize that academia is ready for this kind of task and immediately deploy us as part of this workforce. It's really gratifying to see the work that the researchers have been doing at the Freeland Biomedical Institute at the VTC addressing this pandemic. And I don't think we would be far along as we are if it had not been for the researchers. So thank you for that. Carla, we really wanted to spend more time talking about your main area of cancer research at the Freeland Biomedical Institute. But unfortunately, we're out of time. So we'd love to invite you back next week to continue this conversation. Okay, well, thanks for the opportunity to tell you, uh, you and your audience uh, about our work and great holidays to all. We'd like to thank our executive producer, Joey Sell, for making this show possible. Until next week, I'm Eddie Amos. And I'm Kim Blair, and this is Virginia Technology Today.